0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So having just heard that gospel, I imagine that some of us are thinking, well, I'm in trouble. I think that's a pretty common response. But before we get to that, it's President's Day weekend, This used to be Washington's birthday weekend, and then we had Lincoln's birthday a little later, but they got put together. But it's George Washington I want to talk about. When I was growing up, and I don't know if children are still taught this story, but when I was growing up, I was taught that when George Washington was a little boy, he cut down a cherry tree, and his father... I assume, like most parents, actually knowing the answer to the question he was about to ask, said, who chopped down this cherry tree? To which George Washington reportedly said, I cannot tell a lie. I did it. Good to be reminded that we're not supposed to be telling lies, although when I recall that story, I remember that in our household, when our son Chris did something, and it was perfectly obvious that he'd done it, We could rely on his response being, it wasn't me. So much so that it's now a joke in our family and with him. Whenever anything goes wrong, one of us will say, it wasn't me. Because we are prone to pass the buck. So there's that story. Maybe true, maybe not. Who knows? But we do know some remarkable things about George Washington. He was clearly the remarkable commander of the revolutionary forces. And the stories also make it clear that he had astonishing care for the troops under his charge who were often living and trying to fight in dire circumstances. The other thing that's quite noteworthy about Washington, although we may not think of it so often, is that he actually resigned the office of president. Now, we now have elections, and that office turns over every four to eight years, but the reality is that he was the first ruler in history. In history, who ever resigned his office. Everyone else was a tribal chief or a king, and those are not offices you resign. Those are offices where In George Washington's day, and most of the time in ours, you die in office, and then you are succeeded. That's how that works. But he actually resigned, knowing that he did not, or feeling that he did not need to hold on to power, and wanting the democracy to go forward, even if he was not at its helm. So, quite wonderful things about George Washington. On the other hand, George Washington was a slave owner. Something about which, as far as we know, he had absolutely no qualms at all. True of George Washington, true of Thomas Jefferson, true of James Madison, true of lots of our founding fathers and early presidents, slave owners, and no qualms at all. So how is it that someone who could be so honest, so strong a leader, so caring for his troops, So trusting in the people of the country, which actually meant the white men of the country, how is it that he could be a slave owner with no qualms? Well, of course, that was because slaves were not people in George Washington's view, or in the view of the majority of white men. Slaves were not people, they were objects, they were property. They were things that you could buy and sell. Now, mind you, we became quite adept in the country of allowing that they were people in terms of ability to commit criminal acts, but they weren't people in terms of their ability to lead a good life like anyone else. But basically for George Washington, not people, objects, property. Then we come to our gospel. And the reason I wanted to raise this about George Washington is because there is a connection there in terms of what Jesus is talking about and something that we continue to do. Because of course, what Jesus is talking about is moving from the strictures of the law, which by the way are a very good thing when Moses talks about the law in the passage Elliot read from Deuteronomy. He is saying this. These laws will allow you to prosper as a people, and he was right about that. Laws build a fence around our worst instincts, but that's all they do. And what Jesus wants is for us to move from the law to intention, from what is external to us to what is internal, from doing what you know you're supposed to do to being transformed so that you want to do what it is you're called to do. And so, yes, of course, murder is illegal then and now, but what leads to murder is anger, is rage. And to stay enraged with someone requires objectifying them, seeing them as less than you, more of an object than a person. And divorce, where we have certainly changed our understanding of divorce in Jesus' time, was also entirely about property. And not only was it about property, where the woman was the man's property, the man was the only one who had the power to divorce and could do that with a simple decree or simply by pronouncing, I divorce you three times, So when he is saying this, he is saying, look what happens to women when you divorce them. You turn them into adulterers should they ever marry again. He is saying women are not property. Women cannot be treated this way. And the truth of the matter is that divorce being something that was not initiated by men is a pretty recent 20th century development. Jesus is saying, you can't do that. And when he talks about oaths, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why would you swear while you would make oaths? Because the assumption is that you're going to lie. The truth is there are a couple of religions, Quakers... And I think maybe Jehovah's Witnesses, who actually cannot serve as jurors because they refuse to take an oath. Going back to this passage, because to take an oath assumes you'd lie if you didn't take the oath. And Jesus says, no, no, that we cannot do. These are all things we can think about as individuals, but they're also things we need to think about as a society because we are always ready as individuals to dismiss some people as less than, to turn them into objects rather than recognizing them as persons. And we have done it historically in our institutions. It's why during the civil rights movement and often still, the leaders of that movement could talk about church as the most segregated hour of the week, because we had white churches and black churches, and in many ways we still do. It's why we could create schools that were separate and deeply unequal. It's why we can talk about people who are different from us, whether they are people who speak a different language or are a different color or come from a country that we don't think much of. We can talk about them with venom and treat them as less than human. So what are we to do? We are, I think, to start by telling the truth, as George Washington did, not about cherry trees, but about ourselves, about the things we do and the things we have done. Own up to the people we objectify, the people we think less of. And then doing that, we need to pay attention in the institutions, our businesses, our clubs, our church, our neighborhood, and who it is we objectify and dismiss in those places. And how can we do this without being stuck in despair? We can do this because Jesus knowing all of who we are, keeps looking at each one of us, each one of us, as a beloved child of God, worthy always of love. Knowing that, we can raise up our heads. Knowing that, maybe we can begin to offer that gift to others. Amen.